Hey everybody, welcome back to the Senators Roundtable. I'm your host Jacob Billington, joined my by my fantastic co-hosts Paul Quinney and Dayton Reimer. How you guys doing? I'm doing great, Jacob. Uh, here in sunny Ottawa, probably better than yours. I mean, out there on the East Coast, uh, buried up uh, over your eye armpits and snow, right? Yeah, and there's and there's too much snow. I don't like it. I like the snow, but this is too much. Mm. Yeah. Well, hang in there. We're yeah. just getting freezing rain in Saskatoon, so yeah. I think I'd take the snow. Not this much. Well, <laughs> we're on we're on day three of snow be, or school being canceled, and the snow started on Friday. That's a lot. I, I'd That's still take lot. it over freezing rain. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but actually, Dayton, we're gonna talk about something that you wrote uh, for thehockeywriters.com, and it was a fantastic article. Uh, and I just want to run through your thoughts on the senators that could be possibly going to the olympics now that it's confirmed for 2026 okay so yes we have the world championship or sorry the four nations tournament next year um that's going to be pretty fun i'm glad that they're not calling it a world championship i'm glad that it's something else i wish there was more involvement but because we have olympic um olympic participation confirmed i think it's okay that we're doing the four nations just to kind of at least get some sort of best on best sometime soon um but yeah, let's kind of dive right into what you think, um, who you think might make the Olympic rosters for their nations. Um, I have a list of players here, and I want you to tell me if you think that they are going to make their respective teams. Okay, so let's just start with a fairly easy one. Let's start with Brady Kachuk. What do you guys think? We'll start with you, Paul. Well, you know, I was looking at that, and I mean, the United States, uh, you know, that, that's a really tough uh, team to crack they're they're yep. they're like Canada. they could probably put together a couple of teams that could win that tournament um yeah. so to chuck um uh, you know he's got to be in the running but yep. uh offensively you know he's not near the top of the pack among uh american players but that said you know it's two years away and he's going to be that much better in two years so uh i'd have to get say yeah he's in the running but, you know, would I put money on it? No, too difficult of that. Yeah, there's a lot of really good players. Like, if you just look at the wingers, like, you got Kyle Connor, Jason Robertson, his brother Matthew Kachuk. Like, it's so star-studded. I'm sure I'm missing obvious names or whatever. But, like, there's so many fantastic wingers on that team. It's going to be tough to crack, even if you are one of the NHL's best wingers. It's just the Americans put in a lot of good wingers and a lot of good people at every position. Uh, Dayton, what do you think? Does Brady Kachuk crack the roster? Now, just remind me before I make a fatal error. Uh, what wing does Kachuk play? Left. But he's if, a left. He's left, but I'm in the Olympics. It's kind of just the best players go. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. we do consider wingers, yeah, um, Brady has to compete with Brock Besser, Matthew Kachuk, Jason Robertson. Um, I think all of those three guys are pretty much locks. Yeah. Alex uh, Debrinkit. Sorry? Alex Debrinkit. Yes, probably. Um, yeah. Clayton Keller, most likely. Yeah. Um, but after that, one of the best names, like young and up and coming, would be Brady Kachuk. Yeah. Along with Cole Caulfield and Troy Terry. Yeah. So I think it's a basically a guarantee that he makes the team. I couldn't see a, a world where they would leave him off and take someone else. 
I, yeah. I agree. I think I would put money on it. Um, I would say that it it's pretty much a lock because you want to have the brothers, right? He's good enough to make the team on his own. But if it's like either this guy or this guy, Brady Kachuk brings that like a good presence that you might want on your fourth line at the Olympics, right? It's weird to think of Brady Kachuk as a fourth liner. But like at the Olympics, that's you'd love to have his physicality and his grit and his fighting and whatever, like all that tough play style that he has. You'd love to have that on your team and his brothers on the team. You want the brothers on the team. Yeah. And having him would hopefully slow down some of the faster teams that they'll likely be up against. Not that he's any slouch on speed, but his style is supposed yeah. to shorten that game, right? Yeah. And so having someone like that would be really nice. Now you throw in someone like Matt Boldy, who is a fantastic player. Yeah. That, you know, you, you're not quite sure maybe how that goes. Um, and there, there's a few other guys who I'm just looking at the current scores um, for, for the Americans. Um, some really, really good names are under Brady Kachuk. Yeah. But I think out of anyone on the Senators roster right now, um, except maybe a, a couple others that we'll get to, he is the most likely to make the team for his yeah. his own nation. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, we'll go next, sticking with the United States. Let's go Jake Sanderson. What do you think, Dayton? So I think he's also likely to make the team. I wouldn't be as confident, though, because the Americans do have some fantastic young defensemen. Yep. Um, and, you know, 12, 12 guys will make it at least for the forwards. Yeah. Or No, sorry, 16. Four lines. Yeah. No. Oh, my goodness. It's... <laughs> 12, 12 I, is right. I, I think they'll have 13 because they have the extra. And yes. Depending on the way the Olympics will work, they might have an extra yep. two guys outside. Tried to prevent screwing up earlier. Did it anyways. Um, <laughs> with basic math. Uh, only six defensemen, maybe seven, get to make the Olympic team. Yeah. And you've got Quinn Hughes. You've yep. got Adam Fox. You've yep. probably got Luke Hughes. Yeah. Um. I think Charlie McAvoy is still going to be relevant at that time. Yep. Uh, Brock Faber, who is yep. fantastic. Uh, John Carlson, maybe. But he'll be considered. Brady Shea. Is that already six? Like, there's yeah, a that's, lot. That's already players. seven. And yeah, you forgot you Jacob go. Slavin. Like, there's Jacob so Slavin. many guys. that Zach Wierenski. Now, Jake Sanderson is great, and he's only going to keep getting better. Yeah. But I think he's got a shot. Yeah. It's just not a guarantee like Brady. Yeah. I, I would personally look at Jake Sanderson more for the 2030 Olympics, just because you have some of these veteran guys and he's one of the younger guys that we're talking about for making the team. Um, so like once Adam Fox starts getting by 2030, he'll be in his mid thirties, early thirties. Um, same with like Zach Wierenski and all that. And Jake Sanderson's going to be what? I don't know. Math on the top of my head isn't easy. But um, You're telling me, yeah, I don't know. I think he's 21, so he'll be he'll be about 26, 27, 28, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um. So like right in the prime of his career, I think that that's a prime time for Jake Sanderson to make the Olympics. I don't think that he makes it in two years. Paul, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I think you'd have to uh, allow that he's got a shot at it. Um, you know, the interesting thing is you guys were mentioning scoring, and I uh, came across a piece in the Hockey Writers earlier today, and uh, Sanderson, while he's got a reputation here of, in Ottawa of being, you know, an offensive uh, threat, 
among American defensemen, he's ranks 10th in terms of scoring in the league. And really? uh, yeah, and to Chuck, uh, he ranks 16th among American defensemen or uh, forwards in the NHL. So all that to say, the U.S. team is going to be really tough to crack. Here you've got two top-notch players that, uh, you know, are on the bubble. Well, and you look in goaltending, I don't think anybody, well, Ru Russia will have the best goaltending, assuming they compete. But outside of that, like, it's it's easily going to be the United States being number one and two with Russia. Like, you got uh, Jake Ottinger, Connor Hallebuck, and who do you want to throw in there? Tristan Jerry? Like, there's 10 guys that could be that third guy. Um, but yeah, I, I think the U.S. takes the next Olympics. That hurts to say as a Canadian, but I think that the U.S. does take... 2026 olympics for hockey um well but let's I, what was that uh, well i was just going to say you know to put that u.s team in perspective i mean uh if you're in ottawa right you've got a lot of time for norris or some of us do and pinto and as yeah. good as we they may be you know they've got to compete against guys like uh austin matthews and jack hughes jake eichel uh dylan larkin just to name four centermen and and uh that is a team with a lot of depth yeah they're, they're a very good team uh but let's move on to canada and we got two defensemen to talk about let's just kind of put them out there together and talk about them as a, as a pair um so i guess they can kind of be who do you think is the better defenseman in two years and do you think that either of these guys are good enough to make the Olympic roster? And that's going to be Jacob Chikorin and Thomas Shabbat. Um, we'll start with you, Paul. The better of the two in two years, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go with Chikorin. And I don't think either one of them has got what it takes to make Team Canada. Um, you know, Shabbat, as good as he is and as much as he liked in some quarters in Ottawa, he's just not an Olympic uh, caliber defenseman, at least yeah. by Team Canada standards. Chikrin, eh, maybe he he could be a long long shot. I mean, he's, he's a defensively or offensively oriented defenseman. Maybe yeah. they may decide they need that. But even so, you know, he ranks uh, 12th among Canadian blue liners uh, in terms of points yeah. production. So, you know, long shot might happen if there are injuries, but I wouldn't put money on it. Yeah, it's it's tough. There's a lot of really good defensemen that are going to be contending for a spot. Um, just off the top of my head, I have like Dougie Hamilton. Obviously, Shabbat and Chicken will be challenging for a spot. Um, Devon Taves. You've got um, Josh Morrissey. Like those are going to be your top guys, right? Um, as of right now, Kale McCarr is not able to attend. Um, so that won't be talked about as much until things get cleared up with that whole situation that we're not going to get into here. But as of right now, Kale McCarr can't play in any Hockey Canada, can't represent the team. Um, but there's still so many guys, I think, ahead of Shabbat and Chikrin. I think Chikrin has a better shot than Shabbat, uh, but I don't think that either of them make it. Like you got Alex Petrangelo, who is going to be that kind of steady Eddie third pair defenseman on that team. He's getting up there in age but he's somebody that you want on the team he's got the experience um what do you think dayton do either of them crack the lineup see in the article i did write that they have a chance uh and i think both of them do i think however shabbat has the better chance because he uh, has that more well-rounded game the only problem is he hasn't been healthy this year and so we haven't seen it 
Um, we've just got those little bits. And Chikrin's having a great season. He's on pace to set career highs um, yeah. this season, I believe. Almost get to that plateau, if not uh, cross it. Yeah. But we've also seen that Chikrin has a lot of defensive inconsistencies. Yes. Um, and I know we've talked a couple of times about his uh, his giveaway numbers, which just keep getting worse. Um, yeah. Now, the Canadian defensive uh, squad is also going to be hard to break into. You mentioned uh, Josh Morrissey, Noah Dobson, Evan Bouchard. Both guys yeah. are big point producers this year, and I think yeah. they'll still be considered. Um, Morgan Riley, he'll be yeah. not too old, I don't think. Maybe I'm taking Morgan someone... Riley over Shabbat or Chikrin. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I just don't think that they're out of the competition, especially because Shabbat should be continuing to get better. I think he'll be 29 or 27. Yeah. Um, He's 27 now, so he'll be 27 now. Okay, so it's uh, Chikrin who'll be 25. Yeah. Uh, he'll just have those two extra years to get his feet under him and... Yeah. If the Senators go where we think they will, where yeah. where we hope they will, I think he has a much better shot. Because we can all remember when he was the world junior hero, right? He knows how to perform on an international ice and with some yeah. of the best players of his own age group. Yeah. So I don't think you can count him out. And I just... Chikrin hasn't been considered for anything else for yeah. Hockey Canada. And I wonder if there is some sort of bias... You're only going to ignore him for so long. Uh, yeah. And if he continues to get better, I just wonder if this year might be a blip because he is very injury prone. Yeah, that's fair. And it's, I mean, that's another really good point that it, not Olympic related, but Chikrin has been really healthy this year. And I, that's fantastic to see. So um, knock on wood that I didn't jinx that. Uh, but yeah, things look really good for Chikrin right now. Let's move on to two... Very easy answers, I think. Um, Tim Stutzel, does he make the German Olympic team? Yes, obviously. <laughs> yeah, there, um, there's no debate about that. No, he's one of the greatest German players to ever play the game. Yeah. Um, and he could become much better than Dreisaitl. We have yet to see. He's still incredibly young, but both of them are going to be on the team along with JJ Paterka and Lucas Reichel. Yeah. Uh, there's no question about that Mort Sider he will be there um the the Germans are going to have a sneaky scary team yeah there's there's a lot of they won't have the depth but top end they can compete with anybody right like if you're playing top six and then the top pairing in on defense like that can compete with pretty much any team like obviously they're not going to be the favorites but like if you're just looking at that top end of the lineup they're they're up there Right? You, you named some pretty good names there, Dayton. Paul, what do you think? Tim Stutzel making the German oh. roster? Yeah, I'm not going to uh, take you guys on that one. I'm with you. Yeah. He's a lock. Yeah. Um, and another lock is Mad Sogard in Denmark. Not really much has to be said about that. He is one of two Danish goaltenders in the NHL. Um, Freddie Anderson, he's going to be the starter on that team, provided he stays healthy. There's a chance that Mad Sogard is the starting goaltender on the Danish team. And now they might not all play. Like Denmark might not be. I don't know the teams that are already confirmed for the Olympics. I don't know if Denmark is in there. Um, I know there's a couple qualifying teams that have to get in there, but I believe Denmark is one of the teams that are already locked in. And 
if they are, then it. I don't know. Freddie Anderson's had some blood clotting issues this year. Mad Sogard might might take the starting role. Well, and and you know, with Freddie, by the time twenty twenty six rolls around, he's going to be thirty six. Yeah. 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 So. 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 Speaking of who is qualified for the Olympics, Denmark yep. has not qualified yet. No. Okay. Um. Currently, uh, I mean, there's the top eight: um, Canada, Finland, Russia, United States, Germany, Sweden, Czech. Yeah, and Switzerland. Yeah. So those ones are going. Yeah. Um Germany's not qualified already yet. Germany is. I didn't I did list oh. them. Oh, okay. Sorry. They are uh, ranked sixth or fifth. Okay. Uh, actually ahead of the Swedish team based on how points work. Interesting. As far as I can recall. Yeah. Um so that leaves three spots because of course host Italy takes on yeah. one of them. And those are set for this summer in uh, Slovakia, Latvia, and Denmark. And it has yet, I think, to be... Let me see here. Yes. So the three host nations could end up, but Denmark has to beat Norway and Slovenia and one other team to get there. So it's not going to be easy, but I think they have a good shot. So with respect to Italy, uh, do you think they'd be open to selling their spot? You know, with all due respect to Phil Esposito, I mean, the Italians. uh... (laughs) Italians have had a sneaky good uh, program for a longer history than you might think. Um, They're always kind of just on the edge of being one of the top ones. Really? Yeah. No, they've been competing for... At least their junior teams. I, I looked at all their junior teams and made a very nerdy spreadsheet. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. Um, where we got here? Trying to find it. So Italy has, at least for their junior program, been in since the uh, 1979 tournament. So the third official wow. tournament. All and right, I go ahead. I back, I take back my snide remarks on Team Italy. Yeah. The lowest they've ever been is twenty uh, third, <laughs> um, which I mean it's lower. Yeah, but they're in but that range of like Denmark and Norway and Austria. Yeah, um, and they have played against them and beaten them at times. Yeah, that's really interesting. Thanks for that. You're yeah. welcome. Uh, let's move up a bit north. Um, the Olympic athletes of Russia, not Team Russia, but the Olympic athletes that come from that country. Um, assuming that they're going to be participating because OAR has participated for the last few years. Um, assuming nothing big changes, do we think that uh, Vlad Tarasenko makes the lineup? He's going to be thirty-five at the time. Um, Dayton, do you think that he cracks that top twelve? I think he does. Russians at least in previous um, tournaments have really liked their older players. They like that experience. They like the guys who can put it in the net uh, and have done for a long time. And so I think he will be strongly considered, maybe not in a prominent role anymore, almost definitely not in a prominent role, but um, yeah, he should be there. And as of the latest reports, uh, the Russians should be at the 2026 Olympics. Yeah. That has been, at least confirmed by the IOC right now. 
Uh, I'm just looking now. Um, I just brought up a couple projections of the roster. Um, yeah, I think Tarasenko makes it. I mean, for right wings, if you're just looking positionally, you got Kucherov, Matt Vemichkov, uh, Vlad Tarasenko, and Pavel Buchnevich. He's definitely, Tarasenko is definitely going to be one of them. And if you look at the left wing, it's a, quite a bit deeper. You got Kaprizov, Svechnikov, uh, Panarin, and Daniil Yurov, who is a phenomenal prospect right now for the Minnesota Wild. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that there's a good chance that um, that Russia makes it, or that Tarasenko makes it for Russia. Paul, what do you think? I agree. You know, the, the biggest question, though, is will he be an Ottawa senator in 2026? You know, that's, that's fair. Uh, fair question. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't put any money on that. But that's yeah. that's another topic. I don't want to digress. <laughs> um, on the back end, the last one we're going to talk about Artem Zub. Russia kind of notoriously does not have the greatest greatest defensive group. They've got some names there for sure. Um, but they're not they're not as high end as um like U.S. or Canada or even Sweden, right? Um, so, Paul, what do you think? Does Artem Zub make the Olympic roster on defense? Yeah, I think he makes it. But to your point, Jacob, about him or the Russians not having high-end uh, defense core, um, you know, we consider Zub a, uh, a defensively oriented defenseman. But by Russian yeah. standards, standards, if you look at his stats, he's actually an offensive powerhouse back there. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, but I, I definitely think, yeah, he'll he'll be in the lineup for the Russians or the yeah. what is it the the Olympic athletes of Russia? Yeah. Whatever. Or, yeah. or yeah, there's right. uh there's not a ton of competition for him on the right side now. Again, at the Olympics, like we talked about with the wingers, they're just kind of the six best defensemen are going to play. They don't really care about the sides as much as you do for eighty two games in the NHL. Um, but like on the right side. Who's there? Orlov can play the right side. Is there another defenseman that's that high end? A right-handed defenseman that, that that's that high end in the NHL? Not off the top of my head. Uh, no. Uh, Pavel Mintukov? Is he... Oh, Minchukov. Minchukov, <sighs> is he right-handed? He's left-handed. He's a lefty. Okay, I couldn't remember. Yeah. Um... I believe he's left-handed. I'm just fact-checking that. Um, <laughs> yes, he's left-handed. Um, but yeah, like there's, there's some guys that like there's a lot of prospects that could make their way into that, but there's not a lot of um, not a lot of high-end guys. Like the left side, you got Sergeyev, Romanov, uh, Provorov, um, maybe a couple more. But I I think Zub is the lock for making that. Dayton, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, he was on the 2018 roster that won gold. Yeah. Um, he is a very reliable defenseman. And, and as we've seen in Ottawa, he's definitely one of those guys who you can trust to not make yeah. too many mistakes. So, yeah, I don't see anything that would prevent him from making the Russian team in 2026 hockey-wise. So I just brought up um, active Russian NHL defenseman Career stats. Where does Artem Zub rank in terms of points? Where do you think? Career stats, you said? Yeah. Uh, of active players. Um, 
Let's go 10th. Okay. And this is just defenseman, sorry. There's a lot of forwards that would have way more than him. Uh, Paul, what do you think? Yeah. Wild guess, fifth or sixth? Uh, he's eighth. eighth. And he's creeping up on Vladislav Gavrikov, who we kind of forgot to mention there. Um, Nikita Zaitsev has almost twice as many points as Artem Zub. Nikita Zadorov, who we forgot about. Dmitry Kulikov, Ivan Provorov. Mikhail Sergachev and Dmitry Orlov. So not a ton of guys that are really challenging him for that spot. Um, scroll down the list and like Pavel Menchikov, who you mentioned, um, Shakir Mukamadulin, he might work his way into that conversation by two years from now. Ilya Labushkin, like the defense just isn't great in Russia. So I don't know. Although I will say, looking outside the NHL, Alexander Nikishin is absolutely going to be on the roster. I don't know if you two are familiar with him. Carolina Hurricane prospect. He is putting like historical numbers up in the KHL as a defenseman. So I think just last night he set a record of being the first defenseman in KHL history to record back-to-back 50-point seasons. So he's definitely going to be on the roster. Yeah. Um. All right. We're going to move on. Uh, talk about the trade deadline. So... Talk a little bit about it last week and even a little bit the week before. Uh, we talked about how who we think that Ottawa should be kind of shipping out, who, what kind of trades you'd like to see, but we didn't really talk too many specific names. So uh, we talked a little bit about Chris Tanev, right? And that was a pretty good conversation. We were kind of overselling what we thought he was worth. And um, it turns out that the report had asking prices a second round pick. If Ottawa can get him for a second round pick, Without an extension, do you do it? Start with you, Paul. For a second round pick without an extension, I, I, I guess my question would be, you know, why? Um, you know, unless it's to achieve some sort of moral victory. I saw it to Chuck talking about uh, the other day about uh, Klein. The, the Senators clawing their way into playoff contention. I, I guess that that's your goal, but it seems to me it would be a waste of a perfectly good second round pick on a on a guy that's not going to benefit the team long term. I I agree. I will say that it is a lot better spent than a second round pick for Pat Derek Stepan. So that's an improvement, at least if that's where Ottawa goes. Um, yeah, gave up Josh Stone for Patrick Stepan. Uh, Dayton, what do you think? You think Ottawa should pull the trigger on a second round pick for an unextended Kristanev? Uh, short answer, yes. I think that is a very reasonable price for a yeah. very reliable uh, top four right-handed defenseman. Yeah. Um, the problems come from the cap situation and you have to move money yeah. to get him in. Yeah. I think it's possible. You need to move probably Brandstrom. Um, yeah. like if, if you're getting 10 of Brandstrom is gone. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think that's a fair swap, but then that's also another 4 million that you got to find. Right. I think he's yeah. a $6 million defenseman. As for a second round pick, that is a player who will affect the team in five to six years. Yeah. Uh, you know, conservative estimate, I would say. They might make the team before that, but they're not going to affect it before that. That's fair. The Senators 
are basically running out of contracts by that point. Yeah. Right? I think that would basically come up to the end or close to of Brady, uh, Tim Stutzla, Thomas yeah. Shabbat, um, Josh Norris is close in there. Like, and Jake Sanderson will have like three years left. Yeah. That's not when you should be adding rookies. Yeah. You know? So sure, it's not great that he's not extended and a second round pick could be someone very good, but it also could be Ben Rogers. And not to not to throw him under the bus, but yeah. uh he is not playing top hockey anymore. And he's he was not, a second round pick. Well, and Ottawa gave up his rights. They didn't sign exactly. Him. He so. I think last I saw he was playing university Canadian university hockey. Which is essentially saying you're not making the NHL. Unless you're Logan Thompson. Unless you're Logan Thompson. But how many of Logan Thompson's are there? Right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. It's it's a risk, but it all is. And yeah. I think ending the season with somebody who can help change the mentality of this team, who knows how to win, or at least potentially knows how to win, and shows them, okay, this is reliable defense. And, oh, okay, can kind of mentor some of the guys. Like maybe Bernard Docker, who becomes a Chris Tanev type guy. Yeah. Or Tyler Clevin. Or Maxence Gwinnett, who yeah. should be playing on the team this year. Um, yeah. But they can't because there's no room. Yeah. I'll give a quick shout out to the uh, last word on Sen's podcast. He, he invited me on this week. And the question that I pitched to you last week was, would you rather have a fifth overall pick or would you have a legitimate run at the playoffs? And I got into that. I got in a little bit of an argument on Twitter with him about that and just kind of staying my side of it's time to develop a winning culture. And he was like, well, what, what happened last year? Did we develop much of a winning culture for this year? And I guess I said no. And so we got into it a little bit and he's like, just come on the podcast and let's talk about it. So I did. And we had some great conversation about it. And I came out of that feeling the exact same way that I do now and <laughs> and did before. And that's that acquiring Chris Tanev to help develop the culture is a bright idea and should be a, a priority for the Ottawa Senators. And maybe it's not Chris Tanev, but somebody that helps get this team somewhere that knows how to win. And Chris Tanev is the most winningest defenseman in the NHL, but he, he's been around the NHL. He knows what it takes to do work in the playoffs. So do you really think that uh, you can sign him long-term? I mean, okay, he's in for a couple of months and and then he's gone in the offseason. I mean, what are the chances of signing him? Ottawa's a really hard sell for a guy like Tana. Claude Giroux's got to put in some good work there. That's all I got to say. Claude, it's going to be up to Claude Giroux. Even bringing him in for like two years. Yeah. Oh, like, that's all I would want too is two, yeah, maybe three One year, years. two years, just like a short-term extension. Yeah. Help solidify that very porous defense still. I think that would be really nice. Yeah. Uh, second round pick? That's... Yeah. Yeah. And these players are at a premium. Like, solidly defensive, right-handed defensemen. Yeah. They don't grow on trees. Um, I got another name for you. Arthur Kaliev out of LA. Is that somebody the Ottawa Senators should be targeting, Paul? Uh, so I don't know him that well. He looks good on paper, six foot two, 190 pounds, left winger, uh, young, but uh, the knock on him 
according to the scouting reports, or he's inconsistent, a weak skater, got a great one-time shot. You know, he's a good one-timer, a weak defender. He's only got about an 894 cap hit, but, um, you know, I I guess my question would be, you know, why, especially when I consider what uh, Steo says that he's looking for, and that's to to add a veteran that can help the culture of the team. I just don't know where a guy like that would fit. Um, maybe he's got potential. I just don't know enough about him. But when I look at the overall strategy that Steos has laid out, I, I, I just question why. Yeah, it doesn't line up too well with what Steos has kind of pitched to everybody. But I look at Valerdi as somebody like, or sorry, I look at Kaliev as somebody like Gabe Valerdi, who just wasn't getting the ice time in LA and wasn't given the opportunity to really be. Um, as effective as he could be. He was taking the pick right after Shane Pinto. A lot of people were upset that Ottawa went with Shane Pinto instead of Arthur Kaliev. Um, he looked like a fantastic prospect who fell through the draft rankings. Um, and for the past two seasons, he's put up 30 points, give or take a couple. Um, and I think that if he gets an opportunity in Ottawa, like if Ottawa, if like LA's buying and they do a Tarasenko for Kaliev, that's absolutely something I'd be all over. Um but if you can acquire Kaliev kind of buying low on him because he has requested a trade, um, then I think that that's a really good opportunity for Ottawa to kind of snag and improve the roster. What do you think, Dayton? Who's he replacing? Like, who's he? Which which spot is he taking? You can bump Matthew Joseph down the lineup a little bit. You can um, Kubalik yeah. out of the lineup. Vlad Tarasenko, if he's gone. Yeah, is he taking over Tarasenko's second line spot or third line spot? I don't know. I don't know if I I love that. I think I'd rather have Tarasenko. Yeah, for a reasonable cap hit. Um, like I have nothing against Kaliev. I think he's a really talented player, and I was also one of those people who thought Senators probably should have taken Kaliev instead of Pinto. Yeah. Um, I just I don't see a fit for him on this team. He doesn't doesn't bring anything new, anyways, right? Yeah. Um, the Senators have wingers, pretty good wingers, maybe not the greatest depth of wingers, but are you going to put him on the third line? That's just what he's doing in LA and he'll put up 30 points for you. I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's worth it. Fair. Uh, I don't know. I just really like Cali. I mean, I think that he would fit on this roster because it's kind of like this Ottawa roster is kind of the unsung heroes, right? Like you look at Shane Pinto, nobody wanted him over Arthur Kaliev. Brady Kachuk, everybody wanted Philip Sedina. Everybody was mad when Ottawa drafted Jake Sanderson instead of Jamie Drysdale, right? And these guys are all just kind of proving themselves here. And I just feel like that's the whole vibe around the team. And now I know there's not magic pixie dust all over Ottawa, but it's, I don't know. I just think that Kaliev could do something pretty special here. See, I'd be more interested in Alex Turcott. That's who's also rumored to be available. Yeah. Um, or potentially, you know, exploring trade options. Yeah. Because he doesn't have much of a fit in LA. And maybe yeah. looking at switching him for Norris. I think or, LA would have to add a lot. Yeah, maybe. But, that cap hit really sucks, though. It does. Yeah. I, I think it might be a, a more even trade than you'd want to admit. Yes, the LA Kings might be a decent kind of match with the Ottawa Senators to make a move. It looks like we're not in agreement with where that move kind of goes, but 
Um, and again, if you want to get back into the Jacob Chikrin conversation, LA might be interested in him. They were very interested last summer. They made a pretty good pitch. And if I remember correctly, a deal was pretty much done for him to go to LA. So um, I don't know what happened there. He ended up in Ottawa. Now he might be on the move again. I don't know. But maybe LA and Ottawa could be a pretty good match to make a deal. Uh, we're going to move on to another team that picked in the top three of the 2020 draft, and that's the New York Rangers. Capo Caco is available. Is that somebody that you think Ottawa should be after? Um, or like, do you think that his presence is needed on the Ottawa roster? We'll start with you on this one, Paul. Um, I, I question the value of that one. Uh, you know, he, he cost, uh, 2.4 million. If I look at it um, last year, he got 40 points, you know, yep. put up 18 goals. But, you know, when I look at comparables and there's one right on his own team and that's um, Alex Lafreniere, Lafreniere this year, uh, he's played 50 games. He's got 13 goals and 17 assists. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure the, the value would be there uh, for him. And I guess, you know, I think Dayton raised an interesting point with respect to uh, Kaliev is, okay, where does he slot? What what are you trying to do with him? That that would be the thing. I would think that if Ottawa is getting somebody like Capo Caco, it's going to be for Vlad Tarasenko 50% retained. So it's money in, money out. They get the better player right now. They get Tarasenko back, who they obviously wanted last year. Um, and it's all the same management, different coach. See how things go with like that. Um, but yeah, I think that's the kind of move that they'd be wanting to make. I don't, I don't know the exact framework. I don't know where the value's at. Like, I don't know what Capo Caco is worth this year. He's obviously a draft bust considering he was the second overall pick, but he's still like a really good third line player, really good at on the defensive side. He's physical. He can play the penalty kill. Um, he's somebody that I think would really help Ottawa. What do you think, Dayton? I'd be careful calling him a draft bust already. Uh, I think this kid has some real potential to be um, sort of a big power forward Uh, and bigger forwards take longer. And it's a thing that I think a lot of fans don't consider. Um, Like, of course, there's Tage Thompson, but before him, like Valerie Nakushkin was written off completely. Yeah. Until all of a sudden, oh, this guy's a 70 point guy or whatever. I can't remember yeah. exactly what he put up. 60, 70 points. Well, yeah, he always had the skill. Yeah. He just needed to kind of grow into that physicality so that he could really dominate again. I think yeah. Kako's on that uh on that uh, uh trajectory. Yeah. And having him replace someone like Tarasenko would be such a good fit, I think. Yeah. So whereas Kaliev, I'm not hundred percent sold on. I don't think he has that that snarl that you want for a senator's team. Yeah. I think Kako could really grow into that role. And there is a reason he was second overall behind Jack Hughes in 2019. Yeah. Um yeah, if there's an opportunity to flip Tarasenko for Kako with 50% retained, I would um accept and hang up the phone so they couldn't change their mind. I agree. That would be a steal. I agree. And I, I don't think he's a draft bust. To this day, he hasn't lived up to second overall hype. No. Um, and the general consensus is that right now he's a draft bust. Career high 40 points, and he's already 23 years old, I believe. Um, so he's 22, actually. Is he still 22? Okay. Yeah. Um, but still, like 
by this point you're developing into what you are, but you make a great point about him being that big power forward. Um, and he, he can do all these things. That's why he went second overall. Let's see him do it in the NHL. He's only got six points in 30 games this year. So bit concerning there. Opportunity is also an issue for him. Same as it was for Lafreniere. It's just kind of New York didn't do a very traditional rebuild. And it's kind of stunting their prospects. So I don't know. Like you look at the mini rebuild that um, that the Rangers did. And none of those players are really helping them on today's roster. Like Lafreniere is finally coming into his own and putting up good totals, but like he's not one of their top dependable, reliable guys that they always look for for the production. So, um, yeah, if, if Ottawa can get Kako, I think that that would be a huge success. Yeah, but you know, I I will point. Out, I think it was two shows ago we were talking about uh, possible acquisitions at the trade deadline, and you know. Uh, names like Anthony Duclair came up, Sean Walker, uh, Rasmus Ristolainen. And I know uh, Walker and Ristolainen, they're uh, two right defensemen. Yeah, I'd like them more than I'd like Tanev. But, um, you know, uh, and then the other question, I think, uh, just out of pure curiosity on my part is yeah. – um, what about goaltending? Uh, is what if something came up at the trade deadline? There is it possible? What what would the Senators do if you can get UC Saros? Like, there's rumors that like, yeah, he's not available, but like for the right price, he's available. If you can get UC Saros, hundred percent. If what you're getting is like Kapokakinen or like a Vitek Vanacek, if they need to move out a goalie or Mackenzie Blackwood, like. The only reason I think Ottawa should be buying any of these goaltenders is if they are a, a consensus top 10 goaltender in the NHL. The, they don't come around easily. You should always be trying to get one. Like if, I don't know. Saros is the only one. Saros is the only one that I would be really convinced that would make an impact on this Ottawa roster. Another Finn. Another Ooh. Finn. Who, who with uh, Corpusallo could uh, could be between the pipes uh, for the Finns, backstopping them in 2026. You know, well, I yeah. think we sold uh, uh, Corpusallo a little short there on the previous segment. You know, right. we did we did forget about him. Yeah, but we kind of talked about this in our group chat a little bit. Um, there's a lot of people in contention for that, but Forsberg should 100% be in there um, for Sweden and for Finland. Yeah, Corpusallo. He'd be in that conversation too. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess. It's yeah. What was that? Yeah. Well, I think there's better guys. I would consider Levi Marilainen before Corpusallo. If we're talking oh. Olympics. Oh. I don't think I'd go that far yet, but I, I don't think that's far off. Well, you know what? With how good that Marilainen was while he was in Sweden or Finland, sorry. Uh, you might be right. I never thought of that, but now that you just kind of sparked that, I think you might be right on that. And uh, Forsberg has to compete with the likes of Jesper Wallstead. Yeah. Um, like, he's not... I, I don't think he would get above him. No. Um, Philip Gustafson. Philip got, ooh, yeah, that's not happening. No. Right? Uh, so already, Forsberg is at most third string. And I think there's better Swedish goalies around than Forsberg at yep. this time. Yeah. 
So uh, in my article, I didn't include either of those because I don't think they have very good chances. They could. Yeah. Not writing them off, but I think they're more long shots than uh, more interesting options. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think Sweden, you know, they go with Markstrom and um, Markstrom. Allmark. Yeah. Allmark. Two other ones. Yeah. Finland yeah. has Uko Pekka uh, Lukinen. Yeah. There's, there's just a lot of really good goalies all around the league. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody's going to top Russia in their goaltending factory with Shesterkin, Sorokin, um, Vasilevsky, Yaroslav Askarov. Right. Yeah. Like nobody's topping that. So, um, yeah. Is there anybody else for like trade talks that you guys wanted to bring up or? No, I think we've covered it uh, between the conversation a couple weeks ago and tonight. Um, you know, with the goalies at the trade deadline, I guess the question I'd have, and I was saying this to, I forget who I was talking to today, but, um, you know, is goaltending something that at this stage in their progress towards uh, the Stanley Cup, is goaltending at this point anyway something Ottawa really needs to do anything about, you know, if they can get some half decent goaltending for the next couple of years, yeah. that's probably good enough. Yeah. But I look at the past three years of Forsberg and Corpus and they are half decent goaltenders. Right. So unless you're swinging for the fences and getting UC Saros, I don't think bringing anybody in is going to solve the problem that is in Ottawa. I don't think yeah. that personnel is the issue. Yes. Their play this year is the issue, but I don't think that, Jonas Corpusalo and Anton Forsberg are the issue for Ottawa. So unless you're swinging for the fences, I say no. Yeah, I agree. Have to agree. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, thank you all for coming to listen and hope you enjoyed. Um, we'll see you next week. We're going to be missing Paul next week. So we're going to see if we can line somebody up in his absence. Um, but if not, me and Dayton are going to talk. I don't know what we're going to talk about yet. We're just talking about a, not a lot of hockey between now and then for Ottawa. Trivia and hockey history. Trivia and hockey history. I can do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Maybe we'll have a bit of a fun trivia episode next week. Um, we'll see how things go. So thank you all for tuning in um, and we'll see you next time.